Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. Oh, yes, the coronavirus. The coronavirus. By the way, I'll be on Hannity tonight. First time in maybe two months. Six, seven, eight weeks. 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. The coronavirus. You're hearing a lot of lies from the Democrats, as you might expect. We're not prepared. We haven't done enough. I want to go through a timeline with you that wasn't prepared by me, but was prepared by a media outlet, Elias Johnson, Holly Sheshelman. I don't even know who they work for. If I did, I would tell you. But I'm going to truncate it as it applies to the United States. But before I do that, let me do a, uh, a fact check of the Democrats. There have been no cuts to the CDC since Donald Trump was president. There have only been increases. And yet, people running for president and members of Congress keep saying there have been cuts. They're liars. Number two, certain individuals have been quarantined by the United States government. That's the first time in over 50 years that individuals have been quarantined by the United States government. So it's an extraordinary step, and it's a step that's been triggered. Number three, the president, over a month ago, appointed the Coronavirus Task Force. Over a month ago. When Democrats in Congress weren't even talking about this. Number four. The president, by the way, I put this together. Nobody sent me any talking points. I put it together. Number four. The president temporarily suspended entry into the United States of foreign nationals who pose a risk of transmitting the coronavirus illness. Many steps have been taken early on. Give you some more. January 7, 2020. The virus is identified as a novel coronavirus by Chinese authorities. That's just six or seven weeks ago. January 11th, the first death is announced in China. January 17, the second death is announced in China. 
The United States responds to the outbreak by implementing screenings of symptoms in San Francisco, New York, and Los Angeles. The greatest population of uh, individuals from China visiting and leaving the United States. Um, January 20, 139 cases come up according to China. A third death is reported. Now, you know, this is based on their information, but still. The NIH in America announces they're working on a vaccine against the coronavirus. This is five weeks ago. January 30, the first case of person-to-person transmission of the virus is reported in the United States. So even before January 30, you see the things, the steps that were taken. January 31, the Trump administration announces they will deny entry to foreign nationals who've been to China in the last two weeks, which I talked about. And there are many other things going on that we don't even know about. Now, to counter the lies that have been coming out, even the Associated depressed the AP, Lauren Neergaard and Calvin Woodward, felt the need to respond to the Democrat attacks. And here's the headline of the piece. It's shocking, but it's important. AP fact-checked Democrats distort coronavirus readiness. I'm not going to read it all, but the the relevant parts. But I will read. We need a a, a vaccine for... uh, What do we have? What do I have here? Not cholera. And not pneumonia. The hell is it called? I forget. No help from the staff. Bronchitis. Yes, bronchitis. Now listen to this. The National Institutes of Health... Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are not suffering from budget cuts that never took effect. They go on, indeed, the money that government disease detectives first tapped to fight the latest outbreak was a congressional fund created for health emergencies. Some public health experts say a bigger concern than White House budgets is the steady erosion of a CDC grant program for state and local public emergency preparedness. The front lines in detecting and battling new diseases. But that decline was set in motion by a congressional budget measure that predates Trump. Now you have Pelosi and Schumer banging pots and pans. Congress is responsible for that. The AP goes on. The broader point about there being nobody here to coordinate the response sells short what's in place to handle an outbreak. The public health system has a playbook to follow for pandemic preparation, regardless of who's president or whether specific instructions are coming from the White House. In other words, they act as a matter of routine. Those plans were put into place in anticipation of another flu pandemic but are designed to work for any respiratory-borne disease, including the current virus. Among the health authorities overseeing the work are Dr. Anne. 
and a veteran of previous outbreaks, and Dr. Anthony Fauci, you've seen him, NIH's infectious disease chief, who has advised six presidents. The CDC's response has been excellent, as it has been in the past at John Orbach, president of the nonpartisan Trust for America's Health, which works with government at all levels to improve the nation's response to high-risk health crises. Some Democrats have charged that Trump decimated the nation's public health leadership, but Arbach said CDC's top scientific ranks have remained stable during the past three years. So, lie after lie by the Democrats. And what is the Democrat proposal? What is the Democrat plan? There is none. They put out pablum. You have Democrats running for president who sound like buffoons. No serious proposals. Sherman Pelosi been around for 412 years. No serious proposals. They want to spend more money. What are they waiting for? The president doesn't create spending bills. He signs them. Why isn't one on his desk? If that's the issue. But I'm waiting for the Schumer, Pelosi, Sanders, Biden, Buttigieg, Warren, Klobuchar, Steyer, coronavirus plan. And I think I found it. Open borders. Eliminate ICE. No vetting. Sanctuary cities. Nationalize the greatest health care system. Massive taxes on pharmaceutical companies and research and development, making the finding of vaccines almost impossible. And what's their containment plan? What's their vaccination development plan? They've none. All they know is to attack, blame, and politicize, like their media propagandists. These systems that are in place and the bureaucracy have been triggered and are working the way they're supposed to. The President of the United States has clearly taken on a leadership role to address this. And one other thing. As I pointed out, early January is when we began to learn more substantive information about what was going on in China. Early January. And then week after week, we learned more and more, even though China still hasn't given us all the information we need. What was the United States Senate doing at the demand of the House Democrats and the House Democrat managers from January 16 to February 5th? They forced a Senate impeachment trial in which they were trying to remove the President of the United States while the coronavirus was growing in China and in other countries and in part was reaching our shores. That was Chuck Schumer's contribution. That was Nancy Pelosi's contribution. That was the Democrat Party's contribution. Meanwhile, where were the media? Where was Maggie Haberman? Where was Philly Bump? 
Where was Jim Acosta? Where was Dickerson? Tapper? Blitzer? Rudolph? Well, you know what I mean. They were nowhere. Where was Fredo Cuomo? Nowhere. The media were too busy hawking a coup against the President of the United States and reporting on their trial in the Senate and the demands for witnesses and other absurdities. And they missed the early part of this story completely and utterly. And this is what happens when you lack a real news media but instead have a Democrat Party press that promotes an ideology and a political position. And even while he was under attack, the President of the United States was acting. And as the Associated Press said, and here I am quoting the Associated Press of all outlets, these attacks on the President are lies. Lies by the Democrats who seek to be President. Lies by Nancy Pelosi. Lies by Chuck Schumer. Here we are in the middle of a potential health epidemic. And this is what the Democrat Party offers. I want you to remember this. I want you to think about this. I'll be right back. Lovin. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. President wasn't ready, they say. President didn't act in time. Uh, What was he supposed to do? And what is it that he didn't do? And what is it that the Democrats would do? I want to remind you that when the news first broke about what was going on in China, the very end of December, early January, the House was on a long recess at the direction of the Speaker of the House. When the House came back and finally the articles of impeachment were sent to the Senate, the Senate was forced to collectively sit on its hands for nearly three weeks, from January 16 to February 5th. Couldn't do any other business, none. They had to sit there and listen to Adam Schiff and the effort, the effort to remove a duly elected president and demands for witnesses and other absurdities while the coronavirus was growing in China and worldwide. That's what the Senate was doing at the direction of the Democrats. That's why you didn't get a bill 
for the Democrat-controlled House where spending bills are supposed to be initiated because they were too busy trying to remove the president. That's why the media did very poor, superficial, little reporting on the coronavirus the very end of December and the early part of January. They were focused like a laser collectively on trying to remove the president and the antics of the Democrats in the Senate and on the Senate floor by the House managers. There was no sustained reporting about the coronavirus from January 16 to February 5th. <clears throat> there was some reporting. It's hard to miss it. And then all of a sudden, about a week ago, Chuck Schumer goes to the floor of the Senate and tries to turn this into a Donald Trump scandal. The problem is the facts don't support it. Just like the Russia collusion and the Ukraine collusion facts didn't support that. So they tried to turn our law enforcement agencies into their political playthings. They've tried to turn our foreign policy, national security, into their political playthings. They've tried to turn immigration into their political playthings. The criminal justice system and Mueller, same thing. And now we have a, a significant health issue where the country should come together, the party should come together, and they fire off round after round against the president, who's acted completely responsibly, and I don't know what else he could have done or can do. There have been no CDC cuts. There have been increases, and Congress should know it since Congress increased them. Certain individuals have now been quarantined for a period of 14 weeks, uh, 14 days, perhaps longer, for the first time in over half a century. The president formed almost immediately a task force appointed over a month ago of experts to laser focus on this. And the president temporarily suspended early on entry into the U.S. of foreign nationals who could pose a risk of transmitting the coronavirus. All this while Congress was doing absolutely nothing. Nothing. More when I return. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. President of the United States. You know, the thing is, he deserves credit, not condemnation. I mean, really, he's acted on this very responsibly and very quickly. Very responsibly and very quickly. And no credit where credit is due. Now, we don't know where this is going to end up. We don't know how bad this is going to get. Certainly get worse than it is right now, I suspect, and everybody else suspects. You know, there's only so much that our government and the best in the government can do, but they're doing it. That's what they're doing. You know, the left is amazing. On the one hand, they tell you we must rely on government. Then they tell you government fails because the people who run it. We just need new people, we just need them, and we just need more government. It is a, <clears throat> a remarkable circular argument. A circle jerk, if you will. May I say that with all due respect, Mr. Producer? Because it's an argument <clears throat> that you can re- never really counter uh, from their perspective. Because no matter what you say, they have an answer. You're going to have to resend those ads to me. I can't find them, Rich. And so... Uh, when they go on and on <clears throat> about, well, we just need more resources, they want you to believe, we just need more resources and we'll fix this whole thing. But Trump was cutting their budgets. Well, Congress didn't cut their budget. Congress increased their budget. And independent experts are saying that, no, the senior levels of the CDC and the NIH were not affected by anything. They're the same people who were there before the President of the United States became President of the United States. So this is quite awful, what they're trying to do. And they're trying to, you know, it's the Rahm Emanuel, but we didn't need Rahm Emanuel to tell us. What they're trying to do is what they always try and do. What they're trying to do is what they always try to do. Which is promote themselves and their ideology and trash the sitting president. As long as that sitting president, of course, is a Republican. And the media love it. Maggie Haberman works for the New York Slimes. I, I don't know how anybody could work for the New York Slimes, given its, its history. It's disgraceful history. And she was on CNN today, so that's really a twofer. The New York Slimes and the Constipated News Network. And here's what she said. Cut one, go. We have talked any number of times on this show and all of us uh, more broadly as a press corps about the need for credibility by an administration. Not every administration has some official who has said something that isn't true at one time or another, but the sheer volume of things that are not true that have been said by this president and by some of his aides uh, does not inspire credibility, and it's why they are being questioned on it at a time when they need it. Most of the, most of the controversies this White House has dealt with have been of the president's making. Not no, they ha- no, no, they haven't. And you're a liar and you're a fraud. No, they haven't. The Russia collusion matter? You missed this whole thing, Maggie. May I call you Maggie? Margaret? Margaret Haberman? Where was your stellar? investigative reporting on what the FBI was doing to candidate Trump, or your stellar investigative reporting of what the Hillary campaign and the DNC were doing to President Trump, or your stellar camp, uh, reporting, investigative reporting on the FISA court and the information that was provided to the FISA court. You were nowhere. 
You were nowhere. Where is your information on Jim Comey and his lies and his leaks? Nowhere. Where is your information on McCabe and his lies and leaks? Nowhere. Or Baker or Stroke or Page. Your corporation, the New York Times, was the recipient of illegally begotten information. Talk about the President of the United States. This administered the sheer volume of their lies, you see. Why would we trust them? This is supposed to be a reporter. Now we bring in John Harwood. Now this clown used to work at CBS, but he's so bad, I think it's Harwood, that he's been demoted to CNN. It doesn't get any, any lower than CNN. Unless you're talking into an orange juice can, which I believe Harwood is apt to do from time to time. Now, these are reporters. What does this reporter have to say on CNN today? Cut to go. And what you have seen today and last night when Dow futures fell while that press conference was going on is a uh, no confidence vote from financial markets who've got a lot of money on the line uh, in what the administration is doing. You also have the president. This is so outrageous. This man has no factual basis for what he's burping up into the public sphere. Nothing. So the financial markets are showing a no-confidence vote in the president? Tell me, Mr. Harwood, who told you that? Nobody told you that. The stock market gets very antsy very fast. This is a global problem. China's all been shut down. Japan's been affected. South Korea's been affected. Other parts of the world have been affected. But these are major trading partners and markets for the United States. We have many companies that have businesses there, like Apple, to name one. That's why the stock market's going down. Not because of the President of the United States. You might as well put a dress on, a lot of makeup, and a wig, put marbles in your mouth, ping-pong balls in your eye sockets, and you can stand up there, and you could be Nancy Pelosi, you jerk. So there's Maggie Haberman, a liar, John Harwood, a liar. And then, of course, there's Don Lemon. And nobody even knows why he's on TV. The only channel he should be on is the comedy channel. And he's not funny. He's stupid funny. Cut three, go. He didn't say, I want to look at the studies. He said he this wanted is, to... This is Pen- so he's attacking Pence, you see. Start from the top. Cut three, go, please. He didn't say, I want to look at the studies. He said he wanted to prey on it. Yeah, I mean, can I just say, I mean, are you saying that are you saying that our elected officials shouldn't say that they're going to pray? I mean, it's pretty much a staple of our (laughs) of our political leadership in this country dating back to the founding. I don't have a problem if a guy says he wants to pray on it. In fact, I hope he does. I hope they all do. I don't have a problem with anybody praying. I don't have a problem with anybody praying. I have a problem with someone who's who's allowing people to die because he doesn't want to look at science and to save lives. Now, just listen to this. This this libelous statement. I heard somebody say today, I believe it was on television, maybe radio, but I heard them say today, you can't sue for libel when you're merely giving an opinion. What are they talking about? You absolutely can be sued successfully for libel, defamation, by giving an opinion. If the opinion meets the legal test, in some cases, public official, 
public figures and so forth and so on. There's a whole line of Supreme Court and other court decisions. But you certainly can be sued for defaming somebody by giving an opinion. If I give an opinion and say that Ernie Grabowski raped his, his mother, that's just my opinion. It's in the opinion section. I just gave an opinion. You certainly can be sued for de- defaming somebody. In fact, there was an, a famous case where Gore Vidal accused Bill Buckley of being a fascist, and Bill Buckley sued him, and he won. He recovered $5,000, but he was sued him and won because he was making a point. So, of course, you can be sued successfully for giving an opinion. Just giving something the label of an opinion is not a defense. It doesn't immunize the defendant. Doesn't mean the president will win his lawsuit because it's a high bar. But that New York Times case, that decision by the Supreme Court, is an outrageous decision by the Warren Court. And no lesser a genius than Clarence Thomas has made the point. I've made the point, too, that it's outrageous. It overturns the history of of our states, state law, and even federal law, but particularly state law, since the nation's founding. But that for another day. I just find the information that's provided by lawyers in the public sphere to be so poor in so many instances. So there's Don Lemon saying, I have a problem with someone who's allowing people to die because he doesn't want to look at science and save lives. Nobody in the United States has died as a result of the coronavirus, number one. Number two, the vice president of the United States is taking affirmative steps with the top experts in the government that were not appointed by the Trump administration, that were not appointed by the Obama administration. These are experts who've been there for decades, who rely on other experts who've been there for decades, who go to outside experts within our country in the private and public sector, who go to experts all over the world. That's who he's talking to. That's who he's pulling together. So there you have Don Lemon. So you have Maggie Haberman, John Harwood, Don Lemon, all speaking at CNN. All sounding like Schumer and Pelosi. These are not news people. These are not serious people. These are people who hate the president, hate this administration, and are also looking for a narrative. It's incredible. And if this thing does spread, it's not because the president wasn't effective or he didn't act fast enough or he didn't have enough money. It's because it's a virus. It's a virus. Can't stop the common cold. Can't stop all sorts of flus. Can't stop cancer and Alzheimer's and and diabetes. There are things we can do to address them. But they can't be stopped. Can they? Really outrageous. We'll be right back. Mark You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty, 
They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. You know, maybe these idiots in Congress like Schumer and Pelosi would do us all a favor and put some of those masks on. What do you think, Mr. Producer? And shut their big mouths so they're not hacking viruses in every direction. Don't forget tonight, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. I will be on Hannity for the first time in, has it been two months, Rich? Something like that, right? Been a long time. And so again, I have found the Democrat Party plan to deal with coronavirus. Number one, open the borders to anybody who wants to come in. Number two, eliminate ICE, that is federal law enforcement, from our towns and cities. Number three, no vetting, because vetting is, by definition, racist. Number four, sanctuary cities. Don't allow the feds to know who are in local and state prisons. That's how we'll figure out who are in local and state prisons. Number five, nationalize the greatest healthcare system on the face of the earth. That'll fix it. Number six, destroy the pharmaceutical companies. Make sure they're, they're not making profits. Destroy their ability to re- spend money on capital and research and development to find vaccines. Now, what is the Democrat Party containment plan? We don't know. There isn't one. What's their vaccination development plan? We don't know. There isn't one. But they know how to do one thing. Attack. Blame. Politicize. Like their media propagandists. Donnie Lemon. John Harwood. Maggie Haberman. I don't know, Maggie. That lie that went on for years about the Holocaust from your newspaper... I don't think any politician, certainly not this president, can match that. And you're a proud, proud so-called reporter for the New York Times. They pay you. They pay you with blood money. Nancy Pelosi at a news conference today, she adds nothing to any of this other than her bizarre facial tics and her incomplete sentences. She was Joe Biden before Joe Biden was Joe Biden. Cut four, go. Well, we are uh, hoping to work in a bipartisan way uh, to uh, stop the the spread. Let's stop a second. Do we have our mumblers handy, Mr. Producer? Let's grab them. I'm going to call for them at some point. Okay. Here is Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the gaggle in the media and on the left talking about the coronavirus. Go. What are they? Can it get a funding? It goes track. They have an idea. It costs when if you they just gave you gave them 
with the the withdraw bringing u.s home troops from home and 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 the 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 But resist, we much, we must, and we will much about that be committed. I, 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 I'm, I'm a warrior. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, that, it was, the, 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 I mean, they, 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 they said that. Look, the, 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 yeah. There's more, but we have to take a break. We'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. We have beautiful new Life, Liberty, and Levin studio. At the Fox News Channel, Washington Bureau now. And uh, we have a tremendous guest. You've, you've heard of Charlie Kirk. You've seen him on Fox. But you don't really know a lot about him. And you don't know how sharp this young man is and the extent to which he is fighting on our college campuses and universities. And he's the perfect guest to have to talk about Bernie Sanders and his army of supporters and millennials and all the rest. So I hope you'll watch us on Sunday. Again, I just want to tell you, I'm only going to do this show as long as you're interested in it. You're not interested in it, I won't do it. I'll just drop it. But Fox has been terrific. They allow me to do the show I want to do. Allow me to have the guests I want to have. It's not the usual tap dancing that goes on. It's not machine gun guests. Look, I'm not against it. It's just not what I want to do. It's not hype. It is what it is. And this show is going to be powerful. I will be at CPAC with my wife, Julie, my beautiful, brilliant wife. I think it's the third year in a row where she interviews me around 1130, I believe, give or take, on Saturday. If you want to see us there, I will be there. And I am waiting for the Democrats to come up with a vaccine for bronchitis. Because I damn well need it, don't I, Mr. Producer? <clears throat> People call it, try honey. Rub your body with uh, garlic. Hold your breath for 12 minutes. Trust me, I have the greatest pulmonologist doing everything we can. Starting to think it's something else. I think I'm deeply, horribly allergic to leftists, Mr. Producer. And they're everywhere, like dust. I just want to show you the extent to which Bernie Sanders has already moved the Democrat Party into the Bolshevik ranks. Into the Bolshevik ranks. Everybody knows, outside of his little army of 
miscreants and malcontents, that Bernie Sanders is nuts. His own party knows he's nuts. But he's dragging them to the left, to the hard, hard left. Now, how do we know this? Because they're telling us this. Nancy Stretch Pelosi. She tells us this. She was asked today at a news conference about the Bernie Sanders agenda. Here's what she said. Cut seven, go. You just said that it's your job to put forth an agenda that's mainstream, and I think I heard you say, and non-menacing. That's right. And you're... That's how we win the House. I'm talking about the House of Representatives. And your agenda, though, differs somewhat from Senator Sanders' agenda. You're not advocating, for instance, Medicare for all. So I'm wondering, do you believe Senator Sanders' agenda is mainstream? Well, I think that uh, health care is most important in the campaign. There are three issues. Health care, health care, and health care. That's why part one of our agenda and how we won the election last time was to lower the cost of health care by lowering the cost of prescription drugs. Second was to build... Why don't you answer her question, you idiot? Why don't you answer her question? Do you believe Bernie Sanders' agenda is mainstream? She won't answer. Go ahead. Paychecks by building the infrastructure of America in a green way. And the third was cleaner government. Wow. So her answer is not the answer. Eric Swalwell. Eric Swalwell is the political equivalent of a hemorrhoid. Don't you think, Mr. Producer? He is a hemorrhotic figure in our politics I don't know why he's on TV I don't don't know why anybody wants to hear from this guy and this little dabble do you stuff brill cream I think that went out 30-40 years ago didn't it somebody sent him a blow dryer well Mark you're bald I am proudly bald proudly and the amount of money I save on shampoo is unbelievable but poor Fox is going broke with the makeup to make sure that you know that I'm covered properly but anyway that's neither here nor there Is Bernie Sanders too liberal? First of all, that's a stupid question. Bernie Sanders is a Marxist. I said he's a Marxist. He's not a democratic socialist. He's not a democratic anything. He is a flat-out old red from Brooklyn who migrated to Vermont. Do not allow the media to intimidate you. Do not allow the billionaire-funded media matters and mediaite and these other reprobates intimidate you. Take the language back. Cut eight, go. Under the 2020 race, if I can, of course, we have the uh, important primary coming up in South Carolina, then Super Tuesday. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders leading in most of those races. Is Sanders too liberal to win in November? No, uh, but I think it's early. Uh, And, you know, I think there are a number of people who could beat Donald Trump and also unite the country. And and I'm most concerned about what does the day after Donald Trump look like? Do we have a president who can bring... So notice how he spins. Notice how the hemorrhotic, I don't even know if it's a word, I just like it, uh, Eric Swalwell. Notice how he shucks and jives. At least he's not making noises below his hips. You know what I mean, Mr. Producer? Actually, when he does, he makes more sense. Makes more sense. 
Now, we're told that Michael Bloomberg is a moderate. Now, I helped expose Michael Bloomberg with the January 1 article that everybody ignored in the Washington Compost, which the editors of the Washington Compost decided to run on New Year's Day so no one would read it. But I read it, and then I read it to you. Michael Bloomberg has his head so far up Xi's butt that it's coming out of Xi's nostrils. That's a weird image, isn't it, Mr. Producer? It's almost cartoon-like. It's like Thomas Friedman, who thought that the one-party autocracy, in other words, the genocidal communist regime in China, in many ways is better than America. He wrote it. I read you this piece. Because at least they can get things done. Well, then. That's what government's all about, right? Well, what if they get the wrong things done? Well, it's a whole other story. So here's Bloomberg at a CNN town hall last night that none of you saw because nobody watches CNN. Nobody watches Anderson Cooper. Not since he did his his great interview of Stormy Daniels. Cut 10, go. Last night, you were criticized by someone on the stage. I'm uh, shocked. I was criticized. Yeah, yeah, I, so it seemed that, you might have noticed, um, that by, because you had said that the Chinese leader is not a dictator. Do you stand by that? that well, it's not a, a question dictator? of what, you did, what, is, what is a dictator. They don't have democratic, a democracy in the sense that they have general elections. That is true. They do have a system where a small group of people appoint the, uh, the head. And they churn over periodically. If you go back and look at the last two or three decades, there have been a number of people that have Xi, had the same position that Xi Jinping has. I think the question is, if, if your definition is a democracy where people vote and pick their leaders, and that is not what China's about, and they don't seem to want it. They like their system, and I think they're wrong. I think they'd be better off opening things up, having freedom of the press, which right, they right, don't. right, 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 right. The people in China have no choice whatsoever. They're rounded up. They have social credit numbers. If you go on the internet and you criticize this regime, you wind up in a gulag. If you happen to be born a Muslim, you wind up in a gulag. If you happen to be born a Christian, you might wind up in a gulag too. But your churches have interior designers called the Communist Party. And any references to Jesus are removed and replaced with Xi. That's what we mean, little Mikey, by a dictatorship, a communist dictatorship. If you happen to be Tibetan, you're likely to be killed. If you happen to live in Hong Kong, they want to enslave you. If you happen to live in Taiwan, they want to enslave you. They have the biggest concentration camps on the face of the earth, even bigger than North Korea. And this fool wants you to believe he's a moderate. He's a fool. He's an oligarch, like I said. An oligarch who wants power. If you can't believe that the regime in China is a genocidal, communist regime, then you have no business running for president of the United States. I mean, this is who the Democrats are rallying around. Sanders, who spends more time trashing America than he does any communist regime, and Bloomberg who absolutely loves the communist regime in China. Loves it. 
Well, you know, I would prefer if they had a democracy and so forth, but they don't. And what do you mean by dictatorship? So they want to play word games. It's like Sanders. Wants to play word games. Yes, yes, they summarily executed people in Cuba and, you know, and so forth. But they have a literacy program. It's called an indoctrination program. We have to memorize the Communist Party's lines. It's okay by Bernie. Bernie doesn't criticize what goes on in Venezuela. He didn't criticize what took place in Zimbabwe. Bernie has a consistent record. Or as Joe Rogan says, he's been consistent a long time. Isn't that what Rogan said, Mr. Producer? Well, that's what counts. He's been consistent, of course. About what? Who cares? Then you have this guy, Buttigieg. He's trying to be the moderate. There's nothing moderate about him. He's another radical. They're all radicals. Even Joe Biden has moved to the left. He's moved to the left, and his IQ has dropped into the negative numbers. I said, Nancy Pelosi was Joe Biden before Joe Biden was Joe Biden. In other words, she's another idiot. But here's a montage, hat tip Fox News, they found this, of Buttigieg copying Obama's rhetoric. Copying Obama's rhetoric. Wow, he's a smart young man. No, he's a plagiarist. Cut nine, go. A certain audacity to this announcement. I, I recognize the audacity. And church basements and in our schools. Reaching into church basements and barbershops, into universities. Light shining as a beacon to the world. The country we love shines as a beacon around the world. And if a voice can change a room, it can change a city. And if it can change a city, it can change a state. And if it can change a state, it can change a nation. If we can light up a neighborhood, then we can light up a city. And if we can light up a city, we can light up this whole country. Wait a minute. First of all, why would you copy Obama? But that's all right. Wait a minute. Buttigieg is the new Biden of old. Buttigieg is a plagiarist. Will he be called out by anybody other than Fox? What about Maggie Hadwin? Maggie? Hello, Maggie? What about John Harwood? Johnny? What about Donnie Lemon when he's not being sued for lewd conduct in a bar? Donnie, where are you, Donnie? What about Fredo Cuomo? The businessman, Fredo Cuomo, who understands the economic system, not. There we have Buttigieg copying Obama. That's so shocking. I'd like to hear that again, Mr. Producer. Cut nine, go. A certain audacity to this announcement. I I recognize the audacity. And church basements and in our schools. Reaching into church basements and barbershops, into universities. Light shining as a beacon to the world. country we love shines as a beacon around the world. And if a voice can change a room, it can change a city. And if it can change a city, it can change a state. And if it can change a state, it can change a nation. And if we can light up a neighborhood, then we can light up a city. And if we can light up a city, we can light up this whole country. You know what this all sounds like to me? How about the mumblers again, Mr. Producer? Go ahead. What are they? Yeah. Can it get a funny the ghost track? They have an eye. It costs when, if you, they just gave, you gave them. With the, the 
withdraw, bringing U.S. home troops from home. And 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 the the the. Hey, no, you know, you know, you 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 need somebody. Wait, so uh, what, finally, what? But resist, we much, we must, and we will much about that be committed. I, 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 I'm, I'm a warrior. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, that, it was, the, <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they said that. Look, the, 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 yeah, the lives are straight. Was it him? Well, I, 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 I didn't. If we, if we, you know, it. it uh, no, wait. It, 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 we can walk and chew gum. <laughs> and they know what to do about the coronavirus. I'll be right back. Mud Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Something interesting is happening in the state of Israel, the country of Israel. There is a, uh, a news outfit there called Haaretz, H-A-A-R-E-T-Z. It is radical left wing. Uh, most of the media in Israel is radical left wing. Uh, very few conservative outlets, a handful. But it's even more radical than our media. But this Haaretz reports a few hours ago, bleeding seats, Gantz, Gantz is the opponent of Netanyahu who started something called the Blue and White Party and is a utter and complete disaster and chameleon. Gantz changes his strategy days before Israeli election. Here's the Times of Israel. Polls suggest momentum with Netanyahu as campaigns turn nasty in the final days. Pretty amazing. And uh, let's see. The Jerusalem Post, this just came out a couple hours ago. Polls find Netanyahu edging towards 61 seat blocking majority. I don't know if we'll get there. I hope he does. I hope he's not two or three seats short. But here's the thing. The Israeli system is a disaster. It was set up by socialists, Ben-Gurion and others. Netanyahu is the most popular person running for prime minister. <laughs> if it were a head-to-head race, he would beat Gantz. But it's not 
a head-to-head race. There are all these minor parties, and you have to build these coalitions. And that's the problem. But says Jerusalem Post piece, and they're no friend of uh, Netanyahu, says, asked who is most fit to be prime minister. 45% said Netanyahu. 36% said Benny Gantz. 13% said none of the above. 7% said they didn't know. So you see, if Netanyahu was running against Gantz, he would be the prime minister hands down. They say he's coming closer to obtaining the 61 seats for his right block that he needs to form a right-wing government. Polls found on Tuesday. Again, I don't want to get ahead of things. He's got, they think, around 59 right now. But those two extra seats, or whatever they are, make all the difference in the world. I'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. You know, it's interesting to listen to these people on TV and radio. That's not what's interesting, to listen how they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They had Bernie Sanders wrapping this whole thing up, and he might wrap it up. Remember I said, I'm not in the prediction business. I'm not predicting this. But things can still happen, and now we have Joe Biden, according to polls, and polls are polls, with an 18-point lead in South Carolina, and Bernie the Red in third place. And we'll find out soon enough how this turns out. But don't listen to these people. Bernie Sanders may be the nominee. Got it. But when they say after three states with a population of about 12 people, no offense, no offense, that it's over, it's not over. And I keep hearkening back to 1976 when Ronald Reagan took on a sitting president, Gerald Ford. And he was losing state after state after state, and then they came to North Carolina. North Carolina. The home state of the great, late Jesse Helms. Of course, they hate today and they'll trash and it doesn't matter. And Jesse Helms and his conservative apparatus and operation teaming up with Reagan. Reagan won the North Carolina primary. And he went on to win many primaries. And he went on to almost win the nomination of the Republican Party against a sitting president. And if the Republican chairman of Mississippi hadn't lied to Ronald Reagan, among others, he might have won the nomination in 1976. Now, here's the thing. Joe Biden is no Ronald Reagan. Joe Biden's not even Ronald McDonald. So I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying you can't know after Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, who the nominee is going to be. Now, you have Super Tuesday coming, which is a disastrous mess. And you have early voting. So you have people voting based on ideas or or thoughts of 30 days ago, 45 days ago. Meanwhile, things have changed. Early voting is a disaster for a lot of reasons. It enshrines votes, millions of votes. Based on information, debates that are old by the time the actual voting occurs, the live voting occurs. 
But the Democrats have totally screwed up our voting system. You have Klobuchar, claims to be a moderate. Moderate. Since when is a Trotskyite a moderate? In what way is she moderate? In any event, Klobuchar out there saying she fought, she fought against cleaning the voting rolls. States are trying to clean the voting rolls of people who are registered in multiple states, registered in multiple counties, dead, illegal aliens, and otherwise not legitimately on their rolls. And for the Democrats, that's racist. Why? Because they like, they like to stuff the ballot box. Here and there, you have Republicans doing this sort of thing. I think there was a congressional race in North Carolina. Can you name another one? How did Lyndon Johnson become a senator? Corruption. How did John Kennedy become president? His father. Corruption. May I say, and I will say, it's not like it doesn't happen. When the Democrats win, they love corruption. When they lose, Fair and square, they claim corrupt. There's Stacey Abrams in Georgia. A real head case. Radical left-wing kook. She loses by like 40,000 votes. And she says the election was stolen from her. No, you idiot. You lost. Fair and square. Now, more on Mike Bloomberg. Bloomberg has a swell idea. All illegal aliens in the United States should be put on a path to citizenship. So if we take all the Democrat ideas when it comes to illegal aliens, open borders, no enforcement, no deportations, children should be forced to stay with whomever the adult is who brought them over the border illegally because you can't separate them. Separation now is a bad word. It's like racism. Even if they're being brought over the border by predators, by drug mobsters, because you can't really tell if they're parents or not. For the Democrats, that's okay. You know, abortion, good. Abortion after birth, good. Suddenly they're worried about kids being separated from their parents. How about if they're separated from their parents with an abortion? How about if they're separated from their parents after a botched abortion, and they don't get medical treatment. That's different. That's okay. Of course, it's a choice. That's a choice. And therefore, for them, they get rid of the whole moral issue. But here's Mike Bloomberg, ladies and gentlemen. Cut 11, go. Um, a lot of the students who come here to, uh, to study and, and get degrees, we are letting them go back to China. We should what do you mean keep- we're letting them go back to China, you idiot? They're here on student visas. These are temporary visas. These are visas specifically handed out. They even have numbers on them for students. You come, you learn, and you leave. And so this guy says, you're letting them leave. This guy, no wonder he loves Xi. This is an oligarch. He sounds fascistic. I'm going to tell you how much he can drink. We're letting them leave. They can't let them leave. They got to stay. Yeah, that's the ticket. Go ahead. 
year. Um, one of the things in immigration is you you got to do some things quickly in immigration. Get ri- stop this this craziness with 11 million people who are living in the shadow. You've got to give them a clear path. By the way, to where citizenship. is this shadow? Where's the shadow? It must be a d- big damn shadow. This number 11 million never changes. It hasn't changed for 20 years. Are you kidding me? 11 million people here illegally? That's a lie. It's got to be twice that number. But how do we know? They're living in the shadows. They're in the shadows. Mr. Producer, my local 7-Eleven, they're lined up. And there's no shadow there. They're lined up for jobs. The police cruisers drive by, think nothing of it, don't do anything. They're picked up to do, to, to do work or whatever it is. Who the hell's hiding in the shadows? I'm hiding in the shadows. I don't want anyone to bother me, Mr. Producer. I'm the one who's in the shadows. But anyway, it's a lie. They're hiding in the shadows. They're hiding in, in broad daylight. On the one hand, they say, who's going to do the work? On the other hand, they're hiding in the shadows. Well, which is it? They doing the work or are they hiding in the shadows? They have no idea. They deal in these platitudes and these, uh, uh, these stereotypes, the left, the Democrats. They have no idea who these people are, what they're doing. Not, none. Go ahead. You've got, you've got a staple, a green card on every degree when they get out of college, particularly if they're studying STEM. I mean, the whole bunch of these things, and we need yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, STEM. You see, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. We just don't have enough aliens here to take up these jobs, you see. First, we were told by John McCain, who's going to pick the lettuce? Well, we pick lettuce. Who's going to pick the lettuce? You're going to pick the lettuce? I'm not going to. Who's going to? First of all, I don't want any lettuce. How about that? I don't want any lettuce, so don't pick it. But anyway, that's another story. Now it's who's going to be the engineers? Who's going to be the. It's constantly putting down America, constantly putting down Americans. This is the Democrat agenda. They want Trump to fail when it comes to the coronavirus. They want the economy to fail. Let's be honest. You've even heard some of them, whether it's Bill Maher or others. What we need is a recession. We need a recession. I hate to say it, but we need a recession. That'll get rid of Trump. Burn down the country so they can have power. Burn down the country so they can have power. So staple a green card on every degree. What's the point of a visa? And who's paying for all these colleges? You and I. Two-thirds of the American people never graduated from a four-year college. So now you'll not only be paying for free college for Americans, since you'll be paying for free college for foreigners who come into the country, particularly illegal aliens. Because we know illegal aliens are more noble than American citizens. We hear this all the time. It's grotesque. Go ahead. Immigrants, not less immigrants. There we go. There are a whole bunch of these things, he says, and we need more immigrants, not less immigrants. No, we don't. Do you know we take in half the world's immigrants, Mr. Producer? Did you know that? We need more, lots more, and more. Why? 
I'm not opposed to immigration. I'm not opposed to a legal immigration system. But these people don't believe in it. Every 10 years, there's a massive push for amnesty. We get amnesty through the front door, amnesty through the back door. But here's what I do know. The Democrats want as many immigrants in this country, legally and illegally. They know about chain migration. They know that eventually they become citizens with their children and their distant relatives do as they come into the country. And they know that three-fourths of them vote Democrat. They know the effects it has on border states. New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, California. What's happening now in Florida? Somebody told me there are now more registered Democrats in Florida than Republicans for the first time in how long, I don't know. We know what took place in Colorado, in Virginia. We're very close to a point where we cannot win the presidency. Electoral college or no electoral college. Popular vote, no popular vote. This is why they go on and on about health care for illegal immigrants, about open borders, about driver's licenses for illegal immigrants, about sanctuary cities. It is identity politics. It is pandering of the worst kind. It's not what's good for the country. It's what's good for the Democrats and the Democrat Party. Meanwhile, they're screwing over millions of members of their party. Why? Because they're abandoning them. They're abandoning them. They're abandoning the old blue-collar workers, the coal miners, the steel mill workers, the oil field workers, the assembly line workers. They're abandoning them. The plumbers, the electricians, construction workers, roofers, bricklayers. They're abandoning them. Yes. Why are they doing that? Because they found new voters who are more reliable than the voters of the past. That's why they're doing it. And as I say over and over again, and I have for years, if three-fourths of these people were voting Republican, there is no way, no way, they would support any of this. Period. Where am I, Mr. Producer? Give me a hand here. Oh, yes. American financing. You know, the 30-year Treasury yield plunged to a record low on Friday, last Friday, and even worse now, as investors are crowding into bonds. I mention this because the Treasury yield is closely linked to mortgage rates. When one goes down, so does the other. Meaning now, now is the time. You know, when, when things are happening that are negative, that are scary, sometimes that's when you act. Now's the time to call American Financing and begin a mortgage refinance or new home purchase. You'll work with a dedicated mortgage consultant, someone who will guide you through custom home loan options that can save you up to $1,000 a month, maybe more. There's never any pressure, no upfront or hidden fees either. In as little as 10 minutes, you can pre-qualify for a new low-rate mortgage, even at night or over the weekend, like now, because they're open on your schedule. So don't put your refinance or home finance off any longer. Rates won't stay this low forever. Call 888-900-1828. That's 888-900-1828. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin'. Wow, look at this. In an hour and a half, that would be 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Uh, I will be on Hannity for the first time in a very, very long time, Mr. Producer. How long has it been? Two weeks? Uh, two months? At least two months. And uh, why? Because I didn't want to go on TV. That's why I want to do my own show. But there are issues and so forth that I think uh, make it more amenable for me to do what I need to do. And so I hope you'll watch 9.30 p.m. Eastern, just a little while on Hannity on the Fox News Channel, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. You know, you'd pay off. Where am I, Mr. Producer? Help me. Oh, yes, yes, yes. With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. Now, there's the traditional way where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs a small fortune. Or there's the other way, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award winning protection, two time winner of the CNET Editor's Choice Award. Simply Safe blankets your whole home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard inside. You barely notice it's there. But what's truly remarkable is you can set up this system all by yourself. It's only 50 cents a day, no contracts. Hello, 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 no contracts. Strongly suggest you go to simplysafemark.com today and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now. Be sure you go to simplysafemark.com. Excuse me. Simplysafemark.com. That's simplysafemark.com. Pick a caller, Mr. Producer. Pick a good one. 8.70 a.m. where we are live and national. KRLA. John in Los Angeles. Go. Mr. Levin, thank you so much for taking my call. I am a Cuban refugee. I was brought to this country when I was two years old. I'm very proud. My my mother brought me over. When I hear the Bernie Sanders say that Cuba had a literacy program and how great the Castros were, all I want to ask them is, how did he feel when the Castros killed black Cubans just because they were black or buried gay men and women in Camaway in honey because they were gay and they buried them alive? Mm-hmm. Cuba was a great country before Bernie Sanders' loving Castro regime. And I, it, it is shocking to me that we have anyone like that this close to possibly being a candidate for president of the United States. Let me ask, how can you win Florida when you have a significant Cuban population in South Florida and you have a significant Jewish population in Florida? When he surrounds himself with anti-Semite bigots and uses them as campaign surrogates, when he trashes the Cuban people the way he does through the back door by praising Fidel Castro, who was a genocidal murderer, and that, that country, the poor people there, are still suffering through a Stalinist regime, do you think he can win the state of Florida? I think I it's still possible. That he's not going to. I don't, don't think, think he so. Can. And, and I'll tell you why. I've got friends and families in Florida, and even the ones that are Democrats have said that if he's the candidate, they're not even going to go out and vote. Well, let's hope those are Democrats. All right, my friend. One more magnificent hour. Hold on, folks. I'll be right back. 
from the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. By the way... If Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or their ilk have a plan to address the coronavirus, let's see it. Let's see it. They're legislators. They pass bills on everything. They spend money on everything. Let's see the plan. Where's their plan? They have plans to nationalize health care, plans to open the borders. Plans for college for all, plans for this, plans for that. Where is their coronavirus plan? Let's see it. They have access to experts. They've been around a lot longer than Donald Trump. They have no plan. They're morons. You know, the other day, yesterday actually, on the floor of the Senate, I believe it was, something extraordinary took place. There was an effort by Nebraska Senator Ben Sass. To protect babies after birth. That is, all babies that are born should receive medical treatment, should be protected. Because there's a movement in this country to do the opposite. By Governor Cuomo, by Governor Northam, by other governors. That if a baby is born as the result of a quote-unquote botched abortion. It's a real serious question whether they should receive medical treatment. And those two governors have concluded, at least in their own minds, that they shouldn't. And they're not alone. This entire pro-abortion movement is a radical movement. Abortion was supposed to be rare. No, they don't talk about it being rare. The first trimester, we don't even talk about trimesters. We don't talk about unborn babies as babies. It's the damnedest thing. So we have to change the language. It's like not calling boys boys and girls girls. Talking about you're born a certain sex, but that doesn't mean you are a certain sex. This is how sick it's gotten. And this is the road you go down if you're a radical leftist. So there's a bill that's been proposed that, yes, there's legislation that should protect these babies. Because otherwise, why do we even exist? What's the point? 
It's not about abortion per se. It's about protecting babies that are actually born. So that shouldn't be controversial, right? Well, the bill failed. But I want you to hear a little bit of this from Ben Sass, because this can get lost in all the other clutter. On the Senate floor yesterday, cup 14, go. But I do want to say one more thing before I object, which is, you said you're not questioning uh, my sincerity. I appreciate By the way, that. he's addressing you- little Dick Durbin of Illinois. Go ahead. Uh, be questioning your sincerity. I'm not. But I am questioning your logic. Because you summarized it as if there are two issues at play. And you said anti-abortion legislation and maternal health funding. There are three issues at floor uh, at play on the floor today. One of them is Lindsey Graham's pain capable bill, which is a pro-life piece of legislation. One of them is Senator Durbin's funding requests about maternal delivery health. Those things are true, but there is a third thing, which yet again you obscured by saying the debate here is funding maternal health or having anti-abortion legislation. The piece of legislation we're voting on today, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, is not about abortion. I am pro-life. I'm going to support Lindsey Graham's bill. But the bill we're voting on doesn't change anyone's access to abortion. doesn't have anything to do with Roe v. Wade. It is about babies that are already born. CNN said this morning on TV, they made up this insane phrase. They said, a fetus that has been born. The heck is that? It's another way of saying they don't want to debate the actual debate we're having on the floor today. The debate we're having, we're going to vote once on Lindsey Graham's pro-life legislation. I'm going to support it. But we're also going to vote on a piece of legislation that is about the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. These are about babies that are born that are outside their mother. It didn't pass. More. Senator Sass, cut 15, go. And what's actually happening is the senior senator from Illinois is wanting to obscure the debate because he wants to use euphemisms about choice so that you don't have to admit to the American public that what's actually happening in the floor today is probably that, like last year, 44 Democrats are going to filibuster an anti-infanticide bill. There's nothing in the bill that's about abortion. Nothing. It's about infanticide. That's the actual legislation. And you got 44 people over there who want to hide from it and talk in euphemisms about abortion because they don't want to defend the indefensible because you can't defend the indefensible. We're talking about killing babies that are born. That's the actual legislation we're voting on today in the Senate. That's what the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act is. Is it okay in the eyes of the United States Senate for us to say, well, you can't actively kill the little baby. You can't take a pillow and put it over her face and smother her to death, but you can back away and kill her that way. That's what Ralph Northam, the disgraced governor of Virginia, was talking about when he said, well, once the baby's born, if she survives an abortion and we wish that hadn't happened, then we'll figure out a way to keep her calm for a little while while the doctors debate what they want to do. What he means is kill the baby. That's the legislation we're voting on today. There are three buckets. Lindsey Graham's Born uh, Pain-Capable Act, that's a a bill about abortion. There's another bill that is about babies that have already been born. News flash CNN, if you're a baby and you've been born and you're outside of mama, nobody calls that a fetus. You just want to call it a fetus because you don't want to cover the actual story that's being voted on in the U.S. Senate today. 
Then there's a third piece of legislation, which is Senator Durbin's counterproposal today about maternal preventable deaths and investment in that case, that category. I'm interested in that category as well, but you don't actually want to talk about the legislation that's on the floor, so you're changing the subject. Therefore, I object. Well, he's leading a righteous fight here, and they lost. They blocked it with a threatened filibuster. The Democrats blocked it. And yet they'll follow Bernie Sanders and the rest when he talks about democracy. When he talks about inequality. They don't want to talk about this. That's how bad this has gotten. Bill Barr at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention yesterday had some very sharp things to say too. Sharp in terms of wise and smart. Cut 12, go. Well, many factors have contributed to the polarized politics of today. I think one significant reason for our politics has, why our politics have become so intense, so polarized, so ill-tempered, is that some in the so-called progressive movement have broken away from the fold of liberal democracy to pursue a society more in line with the thinking of Rousseau than with the founders of our great republic. That has played a major role in our politics, becoming less like a disagreement within a family and more like a blood feud between two different clans. Over the past few decades, those further to the left have increasingly identified themselves as progressives rather than liberals. And some of these progressives have become increasingly militant and totalitarian in their style. While they seek power through the democratic process, their policy agenda has become more aggressively collectivist, socialist, and explicitly revolutionary. You know, one of the things this attorney general has done is he's taken on progressivism. And the culture. And he's doing a terrific job of it as well. And those of you who've read Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, you're able to follow this, and some of you haven't, very, very easily. More from Bill Barr at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention yesterday. Cut 13, go. The crux of of the progressive program is the use of the public purse to provide ever-increasing benefits to the public and thereby build a permanent political constituency of supporters who are also dependent. They want able-bodied citizens to become more dependent, subject to greater control, and increasingly supportive of this dependency. The tacit goal of this project is to convert all of us into 25-year-olds living in the government's basement, focusing our energies on obtaining a larger allowance rather than getting a job and moving out and taking responsibility for ourselves. Brilliantly put. An outstanding attorney general in so many ways. We'll be right back. Mark in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, 
and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. You know, folks, if you don't think we're the tip of the spear here, we've been saying now for some time, you better take Bernie Sanders seriously. You better take his position seriously. Now, you have the largest political party in the country that may well nominate him, may not, but may well. He's leading. Um, and, uh, of course, he could get elected president. Shouldn't. Still an uphill battle, but he could. And I even admonished fellow broadcasters and TV and radio to stop playing games with this guy. Like this is a great thing. When I was in Israel, I even posted on my social sites to my fellow conservatives. You better take this seriously. The demographics in the country in many ways are changing. He'll have the media on his side. And now, of course, weeks later, Weeks later, some of the very same people who are defending poor Bernie Sanders, not because they agree with him, but because the Democrat establishment was taking him on. Remember, Mr. Producer? Are now regurgitating what I've been saying. You better take him seriously. I don't mean you need to take his ideas seriously. You should reject them utterly and completely. I mean... The fact that he's even come this far in a major political party, the biggest political party, is deeply concerning. His positions must be taken on. He must be engaged. He must be fought. And now I hear people saying that tonight and today and yesterday. It's good. That's why I encourage you to listen to this program. You'll be weeks ahead, months ahead, years ahead. Because we don't play footsies with Marxists. And we don't call Marxists democratic socialists or socialists, or even leftists. He is what he is. He is what he is. Let's go to Frank, Staten Island, New York, the great WABC. Go. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I don't know if you can hear me or not. Uh, Can you hear me okay? Of course we can hear you. Otherwise, okay, you wouldn't I'm, I'm be on sorry. the show. I'm, I'm a retired uh, police captain, New York City Police Department. Yes, actually, detective captain. But I, one of well, the that's ways, a big uh, deal. Issue. Slow down a second. That's a big deal. Congratulations. 
Oh, thank you. But uh, I wanted to bring your attention. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt signed the law in, in, in 1900 that made it illegal for people to come into this country that lied about their previous criminal record. You probably don't know a guy named Joseph Petrosino, but he was a lieutenant that was killed in Sicily when he went to get the, the records so that they could start to deport these people. The law, I believe, is still on the books. I don't know if there's any court action or whatever that has limited the power. But it's an interesting idea to look into it. Maybe, uh, you know, with, with the idea, you know, I know you have a legal background. I mean, I won't even was able to go to the, the, the bar review class that uh, the attorneys took because I couldn't. Now, what would I be looking school. into this for again, Frank? The idea that, in other words, if this law is still on the books, any person that's a, it's an immigrant that comes into this country and, in other words, went through the process, says, no, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, wanted or anything like that, can just on that basis alone be, tra- uh, be deported. I think they're doing that. Anybody uh-huh. who's lied to come into this country is subject to deportation. I think there are even more modern laws. Okay. Well, the I question mean, is enforcement. Yeah, enforcing it is actually a problem, too. Because That's in other the words, problem. At the enforcement level. Uh, well, listen, but- look, we don't have a federal police force. The FBI is not even a federal police force. And so if local governments and local police are prohibited from assisting ICE in uh, getting these detainers, in executing these detainers and taking these people and deporting them, it becomes very, very difficult. The federal government can't take over local jails, county jails, state prisons, and so forth. It's not that we don't have the laws. It's that we don't have the the politicians who are willing to enforce these laws. I, I have to say something about Bernie Sanders. I travel behind the Iron Curtain, and that's an experience that everyone should have. Because when they do, they'll see what you know communism and uh, you know socialism is all about. Uh, and there's a there's a book called The Road to Serfdom by Frederick Hayek. Written oh yes, everybody should read that. Everybody it's one should of my read favorite that. books. Yeah, I even cite it in several of my books. Uh, that's great because you know he he hits it on the on the nail. Uh, I was fortunate to be able to travel. But when I was traveling, boy, I was just paying attention, and the way people lived and were able to survive under these extreme circumstances, I had such empathy for the people, not so much for the system. The system, I was like, uh, you know, okay, uh, let me not get in trouble here, you know, <laughs> watch what I say. Mm-hmm. And it's frightening. I mean, even when I was in China, they walk you by Mao's tomb. I wouldn't go. And my ex-wife, who happened to be Chinese, says, oh, you're going to get in trouble. I said, no, no, no. This guy's killed 10 millions of his own people by starvation because of the different policies. You know, I'm not going to do that. I went to it in Tenement Square. There was a, a museum, and it, it was all about Chinese culture. Even though it was all in Mandarin, I waited there until they were all finished. Uh, fortunately, this was when they first opened to uh, tourists, and they were they were look, not looking to make enemies or have create problems. But uh, this is the type of people we're dealing with. And this is what could happen here. I hate to say it because I love this country. Mm -hmm. Frank, thank you. Thank you for uh, protecting so many people in this country. I appreciate it. Mary Lou, Orlando, Florida on the Mark Levin app. Go. Yes, I'm here. Go right ahead. Well, I I just wonder, uh, I haven't heard it pointed out by anybody that legally... The mother has the right to choose. However, if she hasn't chosen by the time she gives birth to a living child, then the baby is entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I have, I'm not following you. Supersede the mother's rights. 
Well, I don't, I don't think they're going to abort a baby without the mother's say-so. Is that what you're talking about? I'm not following this. No, 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 no. no. The, the mother has nine months, let's say, to choose whether or not to have an abortion. If she has not exercised her legal right to do that, by the time... Well, right. If she has not exercised her legal right, there won't be an abortion. So I'm not clear what the point is, but maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just a little slow today. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, a proud fanatic for the Constitution. Call him now at 877-381-3811. You know, I've been posting a lot on our elections, and I've been posting a lot on the Israeli elections. And you really do smoke out the nut jobs. Some of the comments are really quite, quite nasty, mostly from the left, of course. Uh, but there is something interesting. I've been saying that I was concerned that the position of the United States administration and government had been that annexation, so-called annexation, to me I don't even like that word, uh, in areas of Judea and Samaria, which the Jordanians and the world press call the West Bank, uh, and the settlements there, I don't like that word either, but the, uh, the people who live there, the Jews who live there, uh, under the Trump plan, would come under Israeli sovereignty, as would other areas. The Jordan Valley, the vast majority of Jerusalem, and on and on. And I've made the point that despite some of the rhetoric we, we've heard, some of the arguments made in this country, including by individuals in the administration, that wait till after the election, because... Only then can we go forward with this so-called annexation. But in the meantime, we'll do the mapping of the areas, which is good that they proceed. But I've warned that Gantz, who's a chameleon, now there's serious questions about his mental acumen, uh, a close counselor and advisor of his has now been recorded and it's been played in Israeli TV saying that he's not up to the job mentally, that he doesn't have the guts to go to war with Iran if that's necessary, has said he's a threat to Israel in so many words, his words. Now, four days before the election, only now does it come out. I've said that this Gantz and this Lapid, 
There's another thigh rash, if you will. Leftist, claims to be left of center, Romney type or worse. That they will not institute the Trump plan, should they succeed. They are advised by an Obama hack. An Obama hack. They are really a, 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 a force that is aligned with the, the Democrat Party leadership. You heard not a single Democrat candidate running for president endorsed the establishment of the American embassy in Jerusalem or accepted the fact that Jerusalem was the capital of Israel. They wouldn't say that about another country. And that should Netanyahu and the Likud party and their ally parties not win. That my fear has been, and I voiced it here, that the Trump peace deal will be dead. Effectively. Effectively. Which would reflect quite poorly on the administration, I fear. Because it's a great plan. But would also be an enormous setback for Israel. So I only bring this up because we now have an Arab-Israeli leader, the biggest of the Arab-Israeli leaders, party leaders, who has allied with this guy Gantz and Lapid, this so-called blue and white party, and these other leftist parties, who is campaigning in Haifa and other parts of Israel to turn out as many Arabs as they possibly can. Because remember, the issue is the control of the Knesset. The more seats the Arabs have in the Knesset, and remember, they oppose the existence, the very existence of the state of Israel. The very existence of the state of Israel. And many of them are basically Palestinians, not Egyptians and Jordanians and so forth. But that said, the more seats they get, they have said that they will vote for Gantz to be prime minister, even though they won't be part of the government, because that's a bridge too far for them. So, this article, AFP, this French press agency, leading Israeli Arab politician Ayman Odeh, has made U.S. President Donald Trump and his controversial peace plan, their language, not mine, the main target of his campaign for the general election on March 2nd. We have an opportunity to defeat the Trump plan in these elections, he said, head of the mainly Arab joint list, the joint list of Arab parties. The third largest in Israel's outgoing parliament. Odeh 45 is heading a mishmash coalition of parties, including Islamists, Islamists, and Arab nationalists. See, they reject the state of Israel, as well as his own bicommunal communist party into his fourth Israeli election. This is the individual and groups like this that the so-called blue and white center-right, center party has aligned itself with. And because of the lousy press in Israel and in the United States, it's really not been properly exposed. So here's a guy who heads a mishmash of coalition parties, according to the article, Islamists, Arab nationalists, bicommunal communists, all intended to defeat Benjamin Netanyahu. The article says he's hoping record turnout among Arab Israelis and increased support from left-wing Jews. 
Oh, tell me about it. Could see the list win more seats than ever, enabling them to oust right-wing Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And he's campaigning against the Trump peace plan. Netanyahu's main challenger, centrist, blue and white leader, Benny Gantz. He's not a centrist. He's a leftist. You don't throw in with left-wing parties and communal communists and Islamists and Arab nationalists and count yourself as some kind of mainstream centrist. Odette is playing the Trump card. The Trump card. So, this is what's taking place. Just as I knew it would. You see, the problem is, if Gantz becomes the Prime Minister, God forbid, and if he tries to even embrace aspects of the Trump plan, the Arabs in the Knesset will throw him out. He's not going to be Prime Minister, but for 14 seconds. The former ambassador from the United States to Israel, an Obama appointee, a guy by the name of Dan Shapiro, he said, the Trump plan's dead, the Democrats oppose it. If the Democrats oppose it, Gantz will oppose it. So exactly how is this going to work? It can't. It can't work. So the Israeli people have a historic choice. Are they going to re-elect Benjamin Netanyahu by supporting the Likud party and the minority parties that support Likud and the prime minister? Are they going to support their prime minister who will institute the Trump plan, which is the greatest lifeline to so many of the people in that country that there ever has been and ever will be? Or are they going to go with these Arabist parties that embrace Islamists, Arab nationalists, communal communists, and reject the actual existence of the country of Israel. And then pretend that they're voting for a centrist, as the media calls this guy, Gantz. Gantz can't win without the support of these Arab parties. He can't win. He can't win. And yet there are members of Likud, the conservative party, and others who are going with Gantz because they think it's time for change, don't you know? There's another guy in here. I'm trying to inform you about these things. A guy by the name of Lieberman. His name is spelled two ways. I don't really care. L-I-B-E-R-M-A-N, I've seen it spelled. L-E-I-B-E-R-M-A-N, I've seen it spelled. Doesn't matter. He's two-faced, so he ought to have two spellings. This is a guy that controls about seven Knesset votes. Out of 120, it takes 61 to become prime minister. He controls seven. He's former Likud. He was in Netanyahu's cabinet. There's something wrong here that this guy, for the third election now, has said he will not support Netanyahu. And these seven votes, which are mostly secular Jewish Russians. That's what they mostly are, secular Jewish Russians. These seven votes he has used to prevent the nation of Israel from forming a government. 
from forming a government. And the big reason, he says, is because these ultra-Orthodox parties don't believe that they should participate in the defense of Israel so they don't become members of the IDF and so forth because they say, as a religious matter, they can't do it and they won't do it. This is his big issue. But it comes out the other day that as the defense minister, he was giving waivers to ultra-religious, ultra-Orthodox individuals so they wouldn't have to serve. So there's something more going on with this guy. Nobody can figure it out. Maybe he's dirty. Maybe he's just power hungry. But this is what happens when you set up a, a system like this. And yet, as I told you earlier, what did the polls show? For a head-to-head Netanyahu against Gantz, he would blow out Gantz by double digits. But the fact that this Arab party leader is openly campaigning, who rejects the actual state of Israel, who's openly campaigning against the Trump peace deal, who's part of a coalition of parties with Islamists and Arab nationalists and bi-communal communists, whatever that means, that that doesn't cause more Israelis to vote in their own self-interest for their own nation's national security. I mean, look around. Would be shocking. And yet, if they don't turn out in large numbers and vote for Netanyahu and vote for Likud, that's what they're going to get. That's why I draw the parallel between that country in many ways and our own country. That's why I say, take Bernie Sanders seriously. And now, some of the people in radio and TV media who've said, poor Bernie, he's going to be cheated, he's not going to... Now, because they've listened to you and me in this program, hopefully they've come to their senses and they understand. Stop crying crocodile tears for Bernie Sanders. Poor Bernie didn't get the nomination. Bernie needs to be crushed. And anybody who advances those ideas... And as a potential of being nominated by the biggest political party in the country needs to be crushed. And they're defended and supported by bigots and anti-Semites. In turn, which is supported by Media Matters and the millionaires and billionaires for that front group. And by the way, the guy that heads Media Matters, as I posted, don't forget who he is with his bigoted posts and his anti-Semitic posts. But he rolls along. He's on the hamster wheel. Or mediate that comes to Bernie Sanders' defense. Incredible. Dan Abrams' site. You remember him? He's the legal analyst over there at ABC News. I'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. 
And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. p.m. Eastern. I'm going to be on Hannity on Fox. Do we have a good caller, Mr. Producer? Mike in Reading, Pennsylvania, XM Satellite. Go. Mr. Levin, pleasure to speak to you this evening. Thank you. It's your pleasure. All right. Hey, uh, every time I see Bernie's face on the television, I just wanted somebody to scream at him uh, a quote from JFK. Ask not what your country can do for you, Mm -hmm. but what you could do for your country. And why isn't this being played over and over in his face? Well, you know why. (laughs) Why don't they read the Constitution to him? Why don't they read the Declaration to him? Well, this country wasn't built on handouts. This is why Denmark's not the greatest country in the world. We are. Mm Mm-hmm. By the way, what the hell have they ever created in Denmark? With all due respect, wooden shoes? Is that what you get in Holland? <laughs> tulips. I, I don't know. No, I don't. Yeah. Hey, don't knock no. tulips. <laughs> but seriously, you point to Denmark. Okay. Is Denmark going to develop the vaccine that's going to, uh, that's going to help with, the, uh, with this virus? No. Matter of fact, by the way, it looks like the Israelis are on the precipice. An article in the Jerusalem Post, sir. In a few weeks, we will have coronavirus vaccine, which they hope to have actually out in the public within 90 to 120 days. Now, I hope that's true. This is an article. I wonder if the Palestinians are coming up with a vaccine, do you think? Uh, Probably not. I don't think they are. They're too busy throwing rocks at tanks. (laughs) Thank you for your call, sir. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's, we've had great callers tonight, haven't we? I think we have. But I'm telling you, I'm speaking the truth. The Israelis come up with these medical devices, and so as we do in the United States, we come up with more than anybody else. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and all of you folks who defend us. God bless each and every one of you. And I'll see you in 30 minutes. Check it out. I haven't been there in two months on Hannity. 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. I'm on my way. I'll see you there. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.